You are listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. We are going to be in Luke chapter 24. We're, we're still kind of in this habit of not putting the, the words up on the screen to, to help us, encourage us to bring our own Bibles, whether that's electronic or actual physical paper. But turn to Luke 24 chapter 1. We're going to read today this whole chapter. So if you like reading along, uh, turn to Luke 24 and uh, we will read this. I'll give you another second to turn to Luke 24. All right, Luke 24, starting in verse 1. On the first day of the week, that's a, a Sunday. Our first day of the week is probably a Monday or something, but uh, Sunday is the first day of the week in the ancient Jewish world. It says, very early in the morning, probably like around like 9 or 10. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Two men, uh, two, the women uh, <clears throat> took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. So this, of course, is we're about to read the resurrection story. Um, they found the stone rolled away f- from the tomb. And when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men clothed in gleaming lightning um, stood beside them. In their fright, the woman bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has arisen. Remember, he told you that while you were with him in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words. Verse 9. When they came back from the tomb, they told these things to the eleven and to the others. When Mary Magdalene, Jonah, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the woman because their words seemed to them like nonsense. I imagine they were excited and saying Jesus' body isn't there. And they're just like, what? And there's angels and what they were wearing was light. I mean, I just imagine they were talking very fast. Um, But Peter, verse 12, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw that the strips of linen lying there by themselves and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. And we're going to skip this story. We're going to come back and read it later, but it's the story of the Emmaus Road story when Jesus appears to some uh, uh, followers of his. And so skip down to verse 36 and we'll conclude the story of uh, Jesus' resurrection and his first appearance. Verse 36 says, while they were still talking about this, the, the Emmaus Road thing that we'll read later, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they had saw a ghost. I mean, here's the man that they saw die. Um, And he said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I, myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. So he's, he's making the statement that he's not a ghost. Touch me and see. Verse 40. When they had said this, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And why they did not believe because of their amazement and joy, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and they took it and ate it in their presence. And he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Verse 45, and he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and for the repentance and forgiveness of sins and be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. And you are my witnesses of these things. And the final verse, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power on high. Let's pray this morning. Jesus, we do thank you for this awesome, wonderful story of your resurrection from the dead. God, we we believe in it. We believe that it really happened. It was a historical event. And God, as we look at that today and study 
this story. God, be with us. Bless the food that we're eating. Bless our time. Bless our discussion that we're going to have. God, be here so that you might be glorified. We might learn about you in your fullness and in your glory. So we love you and praise you. And everybody screamed. Amen. All right, so I'm going to give you a discussion question. Um, It has to do with the historicity. Everybody say that word. Historicity of the resurrection. And basically... um, I'm going I'm to share a little bit, and, then, and that's the discussion question I will give you in a second. But for me, uh, I, I told this story at the mill uh, a few Fridays ago when I got to speak at the mill. Was anybody there when I talked about this guy? Debo! It, remember, some of you are booing because the story um, is, and so if you, if you weren't there, you, your mouth is about to drop and you're about to cry probably. Um, but the story is this, that back in December... Uh, one of our the one of the Wonderland performances. There was uh, all this excitement that Tebow had come to New Life Church, and he had watched one of our Wonderland performances. It was a Saturday night, I think uh, December tenth, um, and and so this this rumor went out, and there was all this excitement. People were texting, people were uh, twittering, people were facebooking, um, and. All that went out, and um, the, the, for me, the story was, I heard different stories. Like, yeah, Tebow was here with his family. And, it's like, and then I heard another story. Yeah, Tebow was here with Eric Decker. That's one of the wide receivers for the Broncos. And, it's like, and then I heard the story, well, Tebow was here with John Elway. Did anybody hear that version of the story? I was like, what? Like, don't, you know the difference between Elway and Decker, Elway and his mom, right? Um, but apparently... Whatever. So I started thinking to myself, why, why are there different versions of this story? That's kind of weird. And so I began to research, like, did Tebow actually come? I called and emailed and um, e- everyone that had said anything about Tebow that I had recorded, like on Facebook or Twitter, I kind of like was going crazy, like researching this whole thing of whether Tebow was really here or not. And I came to the conclusion, there's no doubt in my mind um, that Tebow was not here because... There's no eyewitnesses. No one actually saw him. There were people that got on Facebook, these rascals um, that got on Facebook. I, I don't want to mention his name, but he said, just got Tebow's autograph in the hallway of New Life Church on Facebook. And there was like a million comments below like, oh my gosh, send me a pic. That's so exciting. Um, yay. And, and, and as soon as you heard the news, I imagine you were like me when I heard the news. I was just like a 13-year-old girl at a Justin Bieber concert. I was like, oh, Tebow, the Christian, our hero, yeah! And you just immediately start spreading the news, and you just, you may, I don't know, how, it was just a perfect storm for like gossip just to spread without any actual evidence. And I think at the bottom of this thing, there was probably some people like um, the person I just mentioned that, that Facebooked that they got his autograph, but they really didn't because Tebow was never there. And then I contacted this person and th- this guy, this rascal was like, yeah, I was just wanting to create excitement and stir. It's like, what? Why would you do that? And he's like, well, I just wanted to, you know, create some excitement. <laughs> I was like, dude. Anyways, so, um, and I don't want to bore you to death with the story because I already told it at the mill a couple weeks ago. But anyways, and, and there, there was people, I was going to mention the, the, uh, one of my friends here who's in the mill Sunday school. I won't mention his name, but I just pointed and looked at him. But um, 
He said he saw him the day after. And, and this is just how your mind, it's just how the story works. And so he said on Sunday, so Tebow supposedly came on Saturday. And on Sunday, my, my friend said, yeah, I saw him. And then like going back after researching and like finding out like, we don't have any eyewitnesses. I went, went back and asked him, hey, are you sure you really saw him? And he said, well, yeah, well, I don't know. And basically he said he thought he saw him. Like, oh, I think that's Tim Tebow. He saw like a big guy in a hoodie or something. Hoodie? Anyway, anyways. Um, and, then, and then later when all the news blew up that Tim Tebow was there, he put two and two together. Oh, I must have saw him. Um, but it turns out it's like, well, you, you might have, but you, I don't know. Our minds just work like that. We want to connect things. And, and so anyways, um, could, so I say that little story there um, just to break your hearts, I guess. And to tell you that I gave a lot of thought to the resurrection in December. Like, could the, 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 the story of a bunch of Christians getting hyped up about Tim Tebow, but that really wasn't true, that he would, never was here at New Life, could that have been the case for the resurrection of Jesus? Could a bunch of Christians in the early 2000 years ago got excited and hyped up about an appearance, and, and yet there wasn't truth behind it, uh, and so I really began to, to research the historicity of the resurrection. So that's the question I'm going to open up the Mill Sunday School with all of you in just a second. But first, I thought I would just kind of welcome you to the Mill Sunday School. Um, this is a gathering place of college students, the 20-somethings, and if you're older or younger than that, well, welcome. You're, you're allowed to come. We don't card anyone at the door. Um, but uh, th- this is a place for kind of a gathering of nerds, a gathering, and I, I mean nerd in a very good way. I think it's good to be a nerd, um, uh, of people who like studying things a little bit further, going in depth. And so we take topics by month, and, and we, you know, we're going to talk this whole month about the resurrection of Jesus. We, we have been talking about it. We talked about uh, the, the Easter, the fake Easter. The, the topic this month is called the real Easter. So today we'll specifically talk about the historicity of this resurrection moment. But um, as far as announcements go, if you're new to the Mill Sunday School, uh, welcome. We do have a visitor card somewhere. I don't see them on the, maybe they're on the tables. But as you leave, you could talk to the people as you leave, fill out a little card, and uh, we could put you on an email list to send you a welcome email, maybe help you answer questions or get connected around here with the Mill on a Friday night at a small group or here in the Mill Sunday School. But welcome. And finally, uh, did everyone enjoy the hot breakfast today? Yes! What happened was um, the, a mission team, one of the mission teams going to South Africa this summer, got here really early, worked their tails off, and prepared for us a breakfast. And so all the donations today, there's a little wooden box back there that says Donations Mill Sunday School. Everything you donate today goes, goes right to me. I get it. And just kidding. <laughs> no, seriously, it goes to this team. They, they are um, raising money to go on a mission trip with the mill. It, it's team one. Um, and so if you could, if you enjoyed the breakfast, even if you didn't enjoy the breakfast, they, they, are, they are seeking donations. They, they really um, need the money to go. It's, it's for a team effort um, so that they can go and, and pay for this trip. We're going to be partnering with this uh, church in South Africa, Dax Deo, and, and, and we're really going to be used by, with them. 
them in partnership with them to, to spread the good news, to do a bunch of projects with them. And so it's a great opportunity that we have as mission teams for the mill. So um, cash, if you don't have cash, like a lot of you don't carry cash, there's uh, some some credit card slips. Up. They should be processed today. If you just put your card number, fold it up, put it in the box, it's safe. We'll uh, process that. Um, and anything helps. I mean, if we all just gave a couple bucks, they would they would pay for all the food that they had to buy and raise some money to go. So um, be generous with that. Um, it, it does take a lot of work to prepare breakfast for like 100 people. So, um, And I, hopefully you enjoyed it. And, and the bacon is, is God's gift to us, even though in the Old Testament it wasn't. But then um, the, the New Testament came, and then Peter, you know the story, right? Peter... God speaks to him and says, do not call what I have made clean, unclean. And so bacon is now a clean thing for us to eat, according to Peter and his vision. And so praise God for that. And um, (laughs) anyways, all right, let's get started. Uh, I want to present this question to you, like I said I was going to do. Um, And so it's a discussion question. I believe that 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 is a discussion, getting into groups, talking, meeting new people as you discuss something serious is a very important part of the Mill Sunday School. We usually don't do discussion in church gatherings. It's kind of hard to, do, to break out of a sermon, but since this is more of a teaching, then it's easy to do. And so think about this question, talk about it, maybe write some things down, and then I'm going to go out with a microphone and get some of your ideas. But the question is this, how do we know the resurrection historically happened? I'm going to speak the rest of the time about this. I have a bunch of ideas, but I thought I'd give that to you as a question. Let's say some, a, a non-believer is asking you, or if you're just kind of doubting and thinking through, like, did this really happen? Is this a historical event? How can we know it is historical? Um, you could Google it. You can uh, Facebook it. You could phone a friend. Um, you could use everyone in your group. So write down some ideas. How do we know that this event is historical? Ready? Get set. Discuss. If I could um, interrupt your conversations, uh, hopefully you had some time. I, I know I probably could have given you more time. But I have a mic here. Um, I, w- I would responses, ideas, um, thoughts that you had about the historicity. And you don't have to use that big uh, word if you don't want to. But um, I guess the word up there is just historical. How do we know what historically happened? Any ideas? Bueller. Bueller. Okay, thank you. Forget it's it's always hard to get started, but then once we get started, so this is Aaron Higgins. Uh, okay, um, is it on? it's on. It's on. Okay, it's on. I think. I, I think. Oh, hey, there we go. <laughs> well, uh, there's extra biblical writings, Josephus, amongst other historians. Uh, there's also more manuscripts uh, of the Bible than almost most other historical documents that we take at face value, um, and not to mention uh, the. The disciples who died and the followers who died, if, if they were in on this big secret, it wasn't worth dying over. Yeah. Okay. So three things there. One, there is extra biblical sources like Josephus. I'll talk about him in a minute if you've never heard his name. Um, it's, it was my nickname in high school. What's up, Josephus? Anyways, one of my nicknames. Uh, second thing he said was biblical uh, manuscripts. We have a lot of biblical manuscripts that... that that this story was was um, recorded very early, and then the, the final thing you said was that the, the believers of Jesus had a reason to die for their faith. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then would those same people be so adamant about preaching that he rose from the dead and be willing to die for a message they knew was false? Probably not. Anything else? Great. Yes. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, my name is Jake. Hi, Jake. And uh, just want to piggyback a little bit on the disciples. Yeah. Uh, it was like a radical change of behavior from, yeah. you know, Peter denying him. They were all sad. They weren't, you know, very... They were scattered. At yeah, the resur- at they the came together, and then they just, the, their boldness just exploded. Yeah. And that's when they went and preached. So to uh, change their behavior like that with a false resurrection is a little yeah. sketchy. So the idea, if Jesus really didn't rise from the dead... Why would these men, 11 of them, and then they, they, get, uh, they elect another one uh, in the book of Acts, why would they be so willing to die for a message they, that they potentially knew was false if Jesus really didn't rise from the dead? That's great. Anybody else? Maybe one more? Be alert. Yes, Bob, the Baptist. We call him that because he, he played um, in the thorn, uh, J- John the Baptist, but his real name is Bob, and he looks like John. Anyways. Please, I'll stop embarrassing you. <laughs> I'm easily embarrassed. Me too. Um, <laughs> um, my friend here uh, said multiple eyewitnesses. Um, yeah. Saw him different places, different times, um, different situations. Um, yeah. Would have been pretty hard to corroborate all that. Yeah, so different um, different appearances of Jesus. It wasn't just one thing. It wasn't just a hallucination by one person, but it was lots of people that saw him. I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about um, a couple of these things you mentioned. I want to begin with, because um, I've, I've, I've watched, the, the YouTube is a great resource for um, debates as far as, um, I, I kind of like watching Christian debates, and so watching atheists and Christians debate. I watched quite a few of these this week, and, and there's lots of good reasons that, you know, people bullet point as far as the Christian uh, argument is concerned that Jesus historically did rise from the dead. And some of these arguments come from the women who first saw Jesus. And this argument goes something like this, that let's say someone just made the whole thing up, like Jesus, the resurrection, um, they were just like that guy that got on Facebook and, and said, I just got Tebow's autograph in New Life Church. He was just being a rascal. He was just being a little deceitful and just having a little fun trying to deceive people into, into thinking that he was cool and got Tebow's autograph. And when, it didn't, when he didn't, and it didn't happen. So what if the resurrection story was just made up? Someone was just trying to be deceitful and make people believe in something that they knew wasn't true. Well, the argument against that goes something like this, that, that they would never... In the ancient world, in the ancient Middle Eastern world, choose women to be the uh, witness accounts of Jesus' empty tomb and the angels and the angel moving the tomb, uh, the, the rock, etc. Because in this ancient Middle Eastern world, women's, uh, a woman's word in this time, uh, in that time I should say, was not held as testimony, um, you could not have a woman's testimony in court, for instance. That, that it, was, it would be as if a, a, a child would, would, would witness something. It was like, well, we don't listen to kids because they, you know, they have an imagination. And that's just what the culture was. Our culture, of course, is very different today. Um, and it's almost offensive just to think about a woman not being equal to a man. But anyways, that's what the ancient Middle Eastern world was. And so if someone really was trying to make this whole story up, the whole, just make it up out of thin air, they would not have chosen women to be the eyewitnesses of Jesus' burial. Now, this usually, um, 
this idea usually goes right to, if you're debating with an atheist, I know I used to meet with an atheist, um, and we'd just have coffee and talk. It was a pretty cool um, time. We didn't really debate each other. We just kind of had a conversation. It was really quite cool to not like get mad at each other and debate and then and throw each other on the ground and, 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 and put mud in their eyes. So we just, had, we just talked, and it was a great conversation, a friendship. And um, he would bring up the idea that the historical accounts The four that we have, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because the story of the resurrection is in all four. He said that there's there's some inconsistencies, and his main inconsistency that he saw and is like kept bringing to the table and says, "This is an inconsistency." Is is how many women were at the tomb on Sunday morning when 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 Jesus' body was found to be not there? Was it five? Was it three? Was it two? Was it one? Um, and so here's, here's kind of the, if, if you're writing down notes, Luke says in Luke 24.10, it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others, so that's at least two, um, uh, who, who, who told the apostles. So that's five, and one is potentially named Salome, because in Mark 16 it says, uh, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might anoint Jesus' body. So that account names three. The other account names, what's it named? Two, and the others, or actually names three and the others. Matthew um, names, uh, Matthew 28, one says, after the Sabbath at dawn, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. That's just two. Um, and then John 20, verse one, very, very early in the week, uh, while, on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed uh, from the entrance. That's John 20, verse one. So, that my atheist friend, and I imagine lots of atheists, see the resurrection story here, and they say, look at all the differences. And th- this, by the way, is, is the biggest difference. How many women were there um, for this resurrection story as, as it begins to unfold and Jesus' body is not there? And to that, I would say, well, there, it seems to me that it's very easy to think that there was like a pack of women who went to the tomb. Just like women today, you know, go to the bathroom in packs. Um, and <laughs> I'm kidding. But in, in all seriousness, it seems like there was a group of women who went and probably comforting each other. There were probably servants there who wouldn't be named. There were probably people tagging along, just comforting and um, being a part of, of the of the burial, the, you know, preparing the body for the death. Um, and so it was probably a group of women. And for some reason, John only mentions Mary. And it doesn't, it's not like it says, um, Mary went alone. She was all by herself when she went to the tomb. It just says, it just mentions Mary. Could there have been other people? Well, it's, sure, it could. And, and the idea that um, they mentioned different ones, well, maybe those ones stood out to Luke, but they didn't stand out to John. Or maybe Luke knew them personally. Or maybe Matthew, for whatever reason, just names different women in the same group. It's, it's, so to me, it's like, why would you throw out the entire story just because, you know, one gospel says Mary and the other one says Mary and the other Mary? It's like, well, the other one just didn't mention the other Mary. Is that a big deal to any of us? I, I don't think it is. Um, and the idea that um, this, this idea, I'm not sure really what to call this idea, but the, the fact that when stories are told, there, people just tell it, um, exaggerate different points of their story, like what they saw. And sometimes it could seem like the details are different, but if all the details are exactly the same, that's something, like if you're doing an interrogation um, 
You're usually looking for uh, someone's story to like, oh, the details on this don't match. You said you were actually here, and now you're saying you were there. Which one was it? Uh, uh, I, well, I was, uh, and it's like, well, you're lying. Um, or the other thing you could look for if you're interrogating somebody, you know, if you ever have to interrogate somebody, like if you're Jack Black or something. No, wait, Jack Bauer, sorry. <laughs> Very different Jacks. <laughs> Anyways... Man, I need to get my names right. Um, you, you could look for, oh, this was a pre-established story. These people got together, made up a story, and they all have the exact same details. Let's say you and a group of friends um, went out and like knocked over the neighbor's trash and for fun like shaved their cat or something stupid. Um, what I don't know what you do for fun. Um, and so later, the police show up to your house, knock on the door, and is like, hey, I want to ask you guys about something. Uh, where were you just a few hours ago? And you had already planned, oh, if the police catch us, let's, let's, let's have this story, what we were doing. And so the police takes you out one by one, and you all have the exact same story. You're like, well, at 8.15 exactly, we started making sandwiches, and we began devouring those sandwiches at 8.21, and then we played a video game from 8.21 to exactly 8.36. Jim went to the bathroom at 8.36, but he came immediately back. And then we had ice cream at exactly 8.4. And, and each one of you says the exact same thing, being interviewed separately. What would the police think? You obviously made up the story. You don't all have all those details like the, no one speaks like that. And, and so when, when you hear a story from four different sources, you would just expect that some of the details are going to be emphasized, which could mean, mean like, oh, wait, so you're saying this and they're saying that. And they could actually um, have some contention between them in, in some of the smaller details because that's just how you have remembered it. So anyways, I say all that to say, that the fact that, that they list different women who were there, and I don't really see a, um, an inconsistency here. I just see that some authors chose to list some of the women in that group, and some of the authors chose to list different women. That's all I see it as. But this idea that, that they do have separate accounts, to me, makes even more sense that this story was not corrobor- collaborated. Corroborated? Corroborated? I'll work on that later. Um, uh, anyways, so I think that's what, does that make sense? I, and I just said, uh, I just kind of rambled. I should pr- probably work on the lessons more in my words and not saying Jack Black when I mean Jack Bauer uh, and different things. But anyways, the, another um, idea that if you don't believe in the rex- resurrection, what you could say is, well, maybe the, some of the story is real, a, a real Jesus lived, but then people started throwing legendary things on him. And as the story got told and then retold, it got more legendary. The resurrection got legendary. The, all the miracles. I mean, every other page of the Gospels is Jesus healing someone or um, doing something awesome or miraculous, walking on water, for goodness sakes. And so these legendary things got added on to Jesus over the years as people started telling and retelling the story. And maybe you've experienced this. Here's a picture of me and some buddies uh, fishing. That's me on the left just smiling like a goob because we caught a lot of fish. That's Nate in the middle if you've ever wondered who puts the the skillets together. It's that guy in the middle. Uh, And then that's my friend Bobby on the left. He spoke at the Mill Sunday School a couple weeks ago. But anyways, uh, May 1st last year, we went to the Catamount Lakes up near Pikes Peak. Anybody ever been fishing up there? It's great fishing on, on Sunday. And we had an epic day. We caught a lot of fish. Um, in fact, the other guy holding the camera is Bobby's brother. And I think like we caught like 
10 at least fish each. Um, and, and I think I caught more. But um, So we caught a bunch of fish. We had a great day. And I imagine that in five years, uh, if I was retelling the story, because it was a great fishing day, that the fish could get a little bit bigger. And maybe 10 years when I'm telling, you know, Jay about this epic fishing day, that maybe the fish could get a little bigger, you know? And, and maybe uh, when I'm retelling stories, yeah, we caught, we, all together we caught like 40, like 40 fish. And 40 is almost 50, so in five years it wouldn't be a sinful or wrong. It would just be, you know, exaggerating. Say, we caught 50, like 50 fish. And then maybe 10 years, I, I, the, the like 50 fish, I'd drop out the like and be like, yeah, we caught 50 fish. And they were like, this big. It's like, actually, they were this big, and we probably only caught 40 of them. But you could see how stories can, can kind of grow and, and, and become legendary. And the idea is that if enough time passed, you know, like not just five years, not just 10 years, but my son Jay told his son about the fishing day that we had last year, and then his son, and then his son, and then, and then like 500 years later, the story turns into a sea monster came out of the Catamount Lake, and Poseidon had a triton and threw it into his neck, and we all ate the sea monster or something. Sorry to gross you out. Um, but but that's what could happen. That, that's, the, that's the circumstances for a legendary story to take place. Maybe like this story. This is, uh, the, the, anyone ever have to read the Odyssey by Homer? Um, it was written a long time ago, like 800 BC, maybe, maybe actually 1200 BC by Homer. Homer could have wrote it or he could have compiled it or he could have wrote the skeleton and people added on stories like the siren story. This is the siren when uh, Odysseus ha- gets tied to the ship so he can listen to the sirens singing um, if you've heard that story before. And then there's like the Calypso story, and then there's like um, the Cyclops story. Then there's like the story of him. There, there's just all kinds of stories that enter into this. It's like, did this actually happen? Did did Odysseus actually return from a real Trojan War, like way back in the day, and the, and the Trojan Horse? Like, did that actually happen? Well, maybe some of it happened, but then it got so legendary that we have Odysseus like talking with the gods and almost becoming a god himself. And like, that's legendary things creep in. But how long does it take for legendary things to creep? in? Well, it seems like it takes hundreds and hundreds of years, lifetimes and generations of people adding on to the story, so much so that it it just becomes legendary. And so was there enough time for Jesus' story to be told and retold and, and, and details added on so that it became a legendary story with no, you know, factual um, things? And I would have to say, most scholars would say no, because we have the, the sources, we have manuscripts, we have the gospels that were written in the same time as the eyewitnesses lived within the lifetime that, that, that the, the, the eyewitnesses, those gospel accounts had been written. There was not enough time for these legendary things to just add themselves into the story. And so what, what the gospel writers intended was a historical event, and, and they see it from four different sides, which I, I just see it as bringing evidence into this story that the resurrection really happened. So um, one more thing. Could it be that the disciples just saw a ghost? Um, could they have been hallucinating? Um, could they, in their grief, um, had a dream or a vision that Jesus preached to them? And, and like, I hear this sometimes that 
You know, you, somebody will lose a loved one, like a, gr- a grandmother will pass away, and, and somebody, a Christian, will, will have a dream, and they'll say, the, the dream was very vivid. The dream, uh, it, it felt like I was sleeping, but I, it was so vivid that I might have been awake, and I, ha- I, I had this vision this, that, that the ghost of grandma appeared to me, and she said she was proud of me. She said uh, that she was happy uh, with me, that she was in a safe place, or whatever. But the idea of a ghost appearing to someone isn't that crazy? I mean, maybe some of you would say you've experienced something like that, a, a ghost or this time, this twilight between, I'm not, I, I wasn't asleep, but I wasn't awake, and I experienced something that I just felt the presence of someone or something or maybe God or uh, anyways, whatever. So could it be that a, a, a disciple was hallucinating and, and, then, and then all the disciples, all 11 of them, hallucinated and saw a ghost. And to that, we'd have to say no. You know, the, the gospel stories, the, the, the account that we just read was that Jesus is very clear that he's not a ghost. You know, touch my hands and see. And he sits down and he has a meal with them. And there's ancient accounts of people having meals um, at, at the tombs of um, loved, loved ones. They'll bury someone and then have a meal. And there's even stories of like setting a place for that dead person, maybe pouring out um, a, a drink for that person. Like today, when, when the, the original gangsters pour out alcohol for their dead homies, like in Thug Life. Anyways, but, but none of them would expect that a dead person would actually come back and actually drink that fluid or have a meal with them. And so the story of Jesus actually eating the food is totally unprecedented in, um, in the ancient gospel accounts. And there's this one account of Jesus appearing. 1 Corinthians 15, 5 says, uh, Paul is speaking, says that he, he uh, appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Some of them are still living. Some of those have fallen asleep. 500 people at once. A person has a hallucination. A bunch of people, a group of people do not have a hallucination. They, they experience something and can talk about it. But, but the idea that, oh, this was just a hallucination, no, there, there's more than one account of Jesus' appearance. And finally, I told you I was going to read the Emmaus Road story. This is a story interwoven inter- with the, the um, Luke gospel. And, it, and it's, it's basically the story of Jesus appearing to two of his followers. And it goes something like this. Uh, it's uh, Luke 24, uh, starting in verse uh, 13. And it says, Now at the same t- time uh, of day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were walking uh, with each other um, and talking about everything that had happened. As they uh, talked, they discussed these things with each other. And Jesus himself came up and walked along them, but they were kept from recognizing him. They asked him, uh, what are you discussing together as you walk? So he's kind of playing dumb. Um, and, and then he says, uh, they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you uh, the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have just happened in these last days? What things, he asked. And so obviously he's playing dumb. Um, and he says, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. And the chief priests and our rulers hanged him, handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we, uh, excuse me, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And, um, and, and they went to the tomb early in the morning, but they did not find his body. They came and told us um, all the... 
they had seen, the visions and the angels who had seen that he was still alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. Um, and then he said to them, how foolish are you that, that, and how slow to believe that all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and have to enter the, enter the glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what they... What, excuse, I'm sorry, I'm having trouble reading because the text is so small, but bear with me. Uh, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village uh, to which they were going, Jesus continued on as, as, as if he were going a little further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is near, nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And that's the exact moment that this painting is trying to portray. This is a, a painting by Caravaggio the, uh, the, in the Baroque period, one of my favorite periods of art. And it's, you could see the look on their faces like, oh, it's him. Oh, my gosh. And then right as they recognize it, it says, he disappeared from their sight. And, and they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And so that, that story is just so, like, Jesus appeared with them. He ate with them. And then he disappeared. This idea that he resurrected from the dead in such a way that his body could appear and disappear. And, and, and how awesome is this story? And if you think like, oh, well, maybe it's just Christians hoping that, that Jesus rose from the dead. Um, well, we have even more than that. I was going to refer to this guy. This is, uh, his full name is Titus Flavius Josephus. You probably just know him as Josephus. He is a non-Christian uh, historian in the first century. So if you're like, oh, all we have are Christian accounts of Jesus' resurrection. Well, not so. This guy wasn't a Christian. He was a, a Jew. He was a Roman historian. And he, uh, it's just a, a tiny little snippet, but he does mention the resurrection of Jesus. It's, he says, those who loved him, so they're talking about the, his disciples, uh, Jesus' disciples, um, those who loved him um, from the first did not forsake him, for he appeared to them alive and on the third day. So we have accounts of Christians saying that they saw him. We have accounts of non-Christians in the first century saying, yeah, what, what they, he's, Josephus, what, Josephus wasn't there, but Josephus does report that these things were being taught and being um, spread as truth, as history, history, so much so that he records it in his historical history of the, the first century. So anyways, that's kind of the proof that I uh, thought was the most interesting and I wanted to bring to the table this morning. And so I want to talk about th- just this idea of resuscitation. There's, that's the word up there. That's this uh, uh, point on your notes that is um, second, and then we'll talk about the resurrected body. And I want to make a difference um, and kind of talk about the difference between a resuscitation and the resurrection that Jesus experienced. And if if you would like to refer to the, the resurrection of Jesus, or maybe you could use the resuscitation of Jesus, but I really want to, to state and, and that there are two different things, that res- resuscitation is something different than resurrection. And I would say that resuscitation is something like this, like when someone dies and then CPR is administered and that person comes back to life. They were, maybe um, doctors would, would say they actually died and then the CPR 
um, brought their heart back, right back, and the, the breathing into their mouth brought their respiratory system back. And maybe they used the, is it called a defibrillator, when you shock someone's heart into, into um, re-pumping uh, blood, that, that, that someone could technically be dead and we could bring them back to life if they hadn't been dead for that long. And so sometimes we hear about these stories. Maybe you've known someone or seen CPR happen and it's just like, wow, that person was, was dead or near dead and they came back to life. How awesome is that um, with, with the medical science thing? And then sometimes there's, there's stories of um, spiritual stories where someone will pray for someone. Maybe someone is performing CPR and then it looks like the, the lady with the mullet there isn't really doing anything. She's just got her hand on his neck like she's choking him or something. Maybe she's praying in this clip art picture. Um, and so then it becomes, I'm just kind of messing with the story a little bit, but, but could, could it be that the woman praying for this person, like the glory goes to God? Does the glory go to the CPR? Does the glory go to God? Was it a real miracle that this person was resuscitated, that they had actually died for some time and then brought back to life? They were resuscitated? Maybe. Who knows? Um, and there are stories in the Bible. I'm going to read a few of them in just a second. But there are modern day resuscitation stories. And so I did a, like a 20 minute Google search, which you could do as well, um, like modern day resuscitation stories by ministries and ministers. Um, and I found a couple. Um, this guy, his name's Benny Hinn, a televangelist. He goes on record saying that he has prayed for people that were dead and they've been uh, come back from the dead. They've been resuscitated. This guy, his name's Bill Johnson. He pastors a church in Bethel in Redding, California his church and and they say they have claimed that there has been uh people that were dead they got prayed for and got resuscitated this guy his name's oral roberts you might have heard of him really famous um uh a few years ago uh quite a few years ago but his son robert says that oral one time prayed for a dead child and that child was raised from the dead resuscitated this guy reinhard bonke um has huge uh ministry in africa uh reports that he had what he had a um a crusade where six million people attended this rally it's like wait six million yeah six million people in africa attended this rally but anyways he goes on record saying that he and his ministry have prayed for dead people and they've been resuscitated um this guy andrew wilmack just right down the road um he i think he's a member of new life actually um he has claimed that he has seen three people with his own eyes that were dead prayed for them and then they were resuscitated brought back to life and he has a very uh famous school caris bible college some of you are students and a healing ministry um and then this guy maybe the most famous of all uh for for the the dead raisings as he calls them uh, he's got like a big deep uh southern accent and he's a minister in uh mexico his name's david hogan and he ha- goes on record saying that he and his ministry have seen 500 people that were dead prayed for being resuscitated back to life and and i'm not here to say that all these claims are true i'm not here to say all these claims are false i'm just here to say that that there's stories today of people being resuscitated, just like there were stories in the Bible. I'll mention a few of them. There's three in the Old Testament. Elisha prays for a guy, a a kid. Elijah prays for a guy. There's a story of um, a dead guy being thrown into a tomb, and when his dead body touches Elisha's bones, he comes back to life. There's a couple stories in the New Testament. Of course, the the most famous one is Jesus' resurrection, but I'm going to say that the, the resurrection is different than a resuscitation, but there's resuscitation stories in the, in the New Testament as well. Like the most famous one, this picture is of Lazarus being uh, brought back to life. Um, 
There is, let's see, a few more. There's Nain's son who uh, is on the way to his own funeral. He's dead in the coffin. Jesus says, "Uh, young man, I I say to thee, arise. And he sits up and he begins to speak. There's Jairus' daughter where Jesus heals this dead dead girl. There's the story of Tabitha where in Acts 9 where Peter prays for this little girl. She comes back from the dead. She's resuscitated. There's a story that I think is kind of, funny and cool, but Paul is uh, speaking, uh, and he must have been like a long-winded speaker, because he's speaking well into the night, and there's this dude sitting on the, the window seal, and he falls asleep, because Paul's just going on and on, and he falls out of the window, and he dies uh, on the ground. I don't know why you're laughing, but um, Paul goes down there, prays for him, and he's resuscitated, comes back to life, um, and then um, I think that's the last one I, I was going to mention. Of course, there's Jesus, who returns uh, from the dead to be alive. And I'm going to say that that, that, that's a different case. I'm going to say that the resurrection of Jesus, and this is really the topic for for next week and and what we can um, believe in, the the resurrection. Our great hope in this life is not just to be resuscitated after we die, but our great hope is that we will be resurrected from the dead and have this heavenly glorified resurrection body that that paul speaks of and that jesus um actually is this resurrected body but i wanted to to kind of conclude and uh sunday school with my own experience uh a few years ago this is uh he he passed away but this is uh one of my friends uh, i probably would have been at my wedding a really close friend of mine his name is ben couch and um in 06 he was a missionary to nepal does does anybody know ben It's, it's been i see a couple of hands he's really old miller um started coming to the mill when like I started coming to the mill like 99 uh we were really good friends and he was a mill missionary that went to Nepal and um was on his way so I think he like sold everything and went to Nepal we were supporting him and I think during his uh first year of being a missionary there he was on a motorcycle on his on his way to see a friend's uh, family in this other, in this village outside of Kathmandu, and they didn't know the Lord. So I imagine he was going there partly because he wanted to share the good news of Jesus with this family that didn't know Christ. And he's on his way, uh, gets into a motorcycle accident, and just dies instantly. And his body is is brought to Kathmandu, the U.S. embassy, and the call is made to the, the you know the next in, next kin. Um, and, and they call his parents at like 3 o'clock in the morning, May 31st, 2006. And then his parents call the other siblings, my, my friend Joe Couch. Joe calls me at like 3 a.m. and says, Let, let's get together. Let, let's pray. Uh, all the news isn't in yet. And so we began praying that, that we somehow in some way had wrong news, that, that, that he wasn't dead, that maybe they had somebody else, maybe he w- was just really bad off and in a hospital. We just kept praying that um, it, it wasn't true, it wasn't him. Um, and then the, later that day, um, the news started coming in. Someone verified his body, someone that knew Ben verified his body. So he is, he's dead, he's, he's passed away. And then our, our prayers went to, well, we believe in a God who can raise people from the dead. I, I believe that. And I um, began praying with this group of friends of mine that they would raise, uh, that God, excuse me, would raise Ben's life from the dead and he would be resuscitated back to life. And and it was a really hard, it was like a week before his funeral was going to happen. Um, just all these details and, and being in grief, if, if you've ever experienced the death of a close friend or a family member, you just know that 
that all these thoughts come to you and, and the grief sets in. And of course, there's stages of grief that maybe some of you have studied in psychology. Um, and, and so we, we were like, and some of us were having these prayer meetings right here in this room, the, the World Prayer Center. They kept it open all night and we're praying for the resuscitation, the, the Ben's dead body to be raised from the dead. Um, and there was like, well, Ben's uh, father, Ben's brother are going to go to Nepal. And before they start the funeral arrangements, they're going to pray over his body. They're going to lay hands on his dead body and, and pray that, that his dead body would be raised from the dead. Because as Christians, we believe that that can happen. We believe that God can do that. And then it began, like, there was, there was different groups of people during this time. Because it, it took so long for, you know, t- tickets and uh, the flights um, to, to happen. And so there was prayer in the meantime. And then when, after they prayed, they're like, well, we, we, we only got a couple minutes with him because uh, they were closing down the, the, the coroner's office in the embassy. And so we're going to pray tomorrow. So then it was like another 12 hours of like waiting and, and praying and just the grief. And then there began to be like groups of people saying, well, he's not going to raise, be raised from the dead. We need to prepare for the funeral. We need to start grieving so that we can, you know, accept this. And then there's another group of people that were very close to, to Ben uh, saying, well, God's going to raise him from the dead. Let, let, don't talk like that. Don't, you know, don't deny that God couldn't do this. You know, don't doubt. You know, we need everybody to believe so that this can happen. And it was just, it was a week of hell, as I can, I, I'm sure you can imagine, of grieving the loss of a very close friend, um, being in the middle of different groups that were at different stages of accepting the death and, and totally denying that, that God, uh, totally denying that he was either dead or that God was going to resuscitate him from the dead. And I, I even, I mean, if you can imagine this, I remember even at the funeral, I wasn't there myself. It was in Nepal. They gave him a Christian burial uh, by cremation. And there was a camera. So people were filming it because they thought this is the one last chance that, that God's going to raise him. I just, can you imagine that? I can't imagine being, I just imagine seeing the video again. I hope to, you know, maybe see it again. It's just so hard to see because you could hear people in the background talking like, come on, God, raise him from the dead. Like as his body's burning and then it, his body's burned, it's gone. And then the, just the, the, the depth of grief like hits you. Like he's, he's dead. He has been dead. And the hope that God would resuscitate him that's it's gone his body is ashes now and and in all that um i i i just began to to get some hope that that our hope as believing christians is not in resuscitation but in this this final point in the resurrected body that our that that god will raise us all from the dead that that is our great hope our great hope isn't just to be resuscitated um, and come back to this world and, and maybe relive the, the last portion of our life and be resuscitated. But in some way, and, and we'll talk about this in depth and the theology behind it next week, that, that like Christ had a resurrected body that was um, new and, and glorified and, and beautiful that could appear and disappear and, and, and bring peace. And, and there was, it wasn't just a resuscitation. He didn't, you know, he wasn't just kept alive for three days in this tomb, barely hanging on to life. No, Christ fully died, was buried, and then rose again days later in this new resurrected body that, that our hope is in. And so it's with that that, that we'll conclude today, um, kind of leave you on a, just a somber note, but a hopeful note, hopefully, that, that the, the great hope that we have as Christians is not for resuscitation, but for resurrection, a new glorified, heavenly, beautiful body 
that, that that is our hope. God will raise us from the dead. So let's pray this morning. And God, we, we tell you that we are um, humbled by your death on the cross, that that was just something that, that you experienced. You experienced death for us, but you didn't stay there. God, we, we can celebrate. We can remember the resurrection as we, as we consider the, the historic this, the historicity of this moment that you truly came back from the dead and, and you weren't just resuscitated. You came back fully as, as a glorified, beautiful, um, heavenly body. And God, we put our trust in that. We put our trust in the, the same um, God who rose from the dead, that our hope is in that, that you will raise us from the dead, that you will, you will give us life and life eternal, that you are um, the resurrection and the life so God, we put our hope in you. We leave here um, maybe may humbled, um, maybe um, in, in some way sad about the death that will come to us all, but we, we leave here excited that, and, and knowing uh, fully well that, that you are the firstborn, the first among the resurrected, and, and that someday that will be our hope too. So we love you, Jesus. We praise your holy name. And everybody said, amen. All right, friends, go in peace. Um, blessings. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Mill Sunday School podcast. You can find more information at www.themillonline.org.